Welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, Justin Chesham, men's soccer coach at Christopher Newport University, and I welcome Britta Marmon, senior recruiting coach at National Collegiate Student Athletes, or the NCSA. She's also a former women's college assistant coach. Britta discusses the ins and outs of the services offered by the NCSA. As always, please send your comments and questions to me through matchplayrecruit.com. Leave feedback and subscribe to the podcast. That's the best way to let me know how I'm doing. Of course, follow me on social media as well. Fifty ball and a goalkeeper comes out and the the player try the offensive player trying to get to the ball doesn't see the keeper coming and what what's considered a foul? I mean, talking to a goalkeeper, so I think we're probably always going to err on the side of goalkeeper <laughs> has a little bit of the, uh, the um, benefit uh, of the doubt. Yeah. The benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That's I mean, I think 50, 50 situations are always a little dicey. I mean, I think if there's like no intent for harm, like maybe you just, uh, and it doesn't result in a goal. Maybe you just, you know, the ball, it's a dead ball. You put the ball on the ground, but um I say probably err on the side of the goalkeeper. Right. Biasly. <laughs> Which everyone does. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the attacking player, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, you got anything to add to that? Uh, I'm in season, so I'm going to behave <laughs> with any disagreements with referees. I've had excellent <laughs> refereeing so far, excellent officiating. No mistakes have been made, and uh, I'm going to keep it that way. I'm going to have 15, 20 more games, hopefully, of uh, excellent look, officiating and no arguing with the referees. Look, I've never known you to like play it safe like that. <laughs> no, I mean, it's I've, – I've actually had a lot of conversations with referees lately, and I'm trying to like build a good rapport. I do think that we are missing out on uh, on some dialogue. The only dialogue really that's happening between refs and, and head coaches is during a game – when emotions are running and something just happened, which when are you ever going to find something productive there? Uh, I'll give you an example. Like this past winter, my staff went to the the United Soccer Coaches Convention, and we actually attended two referee seminars. Um, we walked into one, and uh, it was full. A lot of referees were there, and a lot of people were in the room. And the, the, the main guy raised his hand, and he goes, how many coaches are here? And us and one other small group on the other side raised their hand. So it was only mm-hmm. only like maybe 10 of us tops. And um, and there was a little chuckle going on, you know. It's like, but they said, thanks for being here. We want the dialogue. And within like 15 minutes, a couple of things had come up where they were saying, you know, whatever. Like basically this coaches are dumb. You know, it really is like we're kind of like looking around like, hey, man, we're, we're here to like work together. <laughs> Bridge yeah. a gap. <laughs> but then it happened again. And we were like, let's just get out of here. So we just got up and we were sitting in the middle too. We just got up and walked out. And and you could even see some of the referees. I knew a couple of the guys, they were just like, sorry. You know, like it just, it wasn't a good look. And then we went to the next one. It was actually the NCAA referees ones. And they were so happy we were there. We were the only coaches there. And it was just the four of us. We were the only ones there that were coaches. The rest of them were all refs. And they asked us every single question. They came to us like, what do you think here with brought up different situations? And it was so productive, so nice. It wasn't my team on the screen or anything like that. It was just, hey, this is what we think. This is what we see. And 
I mean, we see eye to eye actually way more than what it seems on the field. And so I try my hardest now to give complete benefit of the doubt and, you know, don't get mad at throw-ins where I think it's the wrong <laughs> call, you know, like I'm going to save it for something super, super important, you know? Well, and we're kind of spoiled when we watch like a big match on TV, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's all this replay and, you know, they don't right, have right. that. So. I mean, how many times have you been watching a match and you're like, I never would have seen that if I didn't have replay, you know? So especially offsides. Offside is like borderline impossible. Um, You know, they did a study for the MLS refs. Uh, One of our alums is an MLS ref and they get like 98% correct. And some of the ones that they get correct, you're like, I thought that guy was offside by three, four yards and you didn't raise your flag. Everybody's raising their hands and going nuts. And then they show the replay. You're like, oh, yeah, he's on. It was just <laughs> the defenders running this way, forwards running this way. It's the exact same time the ball's played. And by the right. time your eyes adjust, there's five yards of movement in there. And you're like, well, yeah, there's your mistake. So, I mean, it's really difficult. I mean, I, I, I'll never be a ref. Everything in the soccer <laughs> business, I will attempt. I will. Yeah, that's one to avoid. <laughs> no way. There's no way I'll ever be a referee ever. Not even like little kids. Yeah, like itty bitty ones. I won't even do that. Parents will be. It's probably out. worse there. That's what I mean. Like some little kid yeah. falls, little Johnny falls, and you know, little Johnny's mom's gonna yell at me. You know, I'm like, I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, we didn't come on here to talk about refereeing. Man. It was all positive. It was all positive. <laughs> all good things there. Yeah, we've all refereed some something, and it it's awful. So well, I get I, yelled at at practice. My guys yell at me when I referee. All right, I, you're my. <laughs> players like get out of here with this. Yeah. <laughs> right. um so today uh we have britta marman who is an old friend um but she also uh, has a recruiting story and a college career story and a coaching story and now she's with the ncsa which we're going to get into after we let her tell her um her recruiting story and you know you're from california right is that right yep 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 born in california um, in iowa of all places yeah yeah yeah, right, so yeah believe me that happened yeah so i grew up out in california southern california um played soccer you know just like every other kid for as long as i can remember um and i have a lot of family in the midwest my both my parents grew up in the illinois area and so we spent a lot of time in the Midwest as kids, Wisconsin. Um, we never spent any time in Iowa, but we were in Illinois a lot. And um, as I got older and was starting to think about college, um, which I didn't really give a ton of thought to it, to be honest. I mean, kids now are thinking about it in eighth grade. I was thinking about it like middle of the junior year, not mm-hmm. even, you know. Um, I knew I didn't want to stay in California. I didn't, I didn't love, I, I wanted something totally different, you know. I didn't think it would be Iowa. I had no idea where Iowa was on the map, shamefully. Like, not at all. Um, That's the nose. uh, nose. (laughs) Flyover state, as they say. Yeah, yeah. It's the nose one. It's the state with the nose, right? No. Isn't it the nose? Let's see. I don't even know still. Um, There's like a little. It's there next to like. Down the middle of the. the, Like the states are shaped. Like a guy. Like I a guy, Iowa yeah. was the nose. I, it's I like, no, it's oh. right next to Nebraska, Illinois, uh, you know, whatever. It might have a nose, you're right. I got to look it's up. a guy. I got to look this up. It's what probably a female. It has the part that tells you it's a guy. Uh, 
so I went to, my dad went to Northwestern and every summer my sister and I would go to Northwestern soccer camp. It was, we would visit with family. We stayed in the dorms. It was just something we loved doing. So we went there, I think my sophomore and junior year, maybe freshman, sophomore, junior year. Um, and my junior year summer going into my senior year, I was there and the Iowa goalkeeping coach was my main coach for the camp. And I thought I was going to Northwestern. Like that was my dream. Nobody told me I didn't have the grades for Northwestern. You know, nobody bothered to mention that part. Um, so she invited me on a visit. Um, I did not want to go. I, it was my first official visit. I did not want to go at all. I told my dad, I'm not going. I don't want to go to Iowa. I know where, I don't know where that is. Um, anyways, I go, right. I get to the airport. The plane has um, technical difficulties. It's a malfunction. I'm like, this is a sign. I'm not getting on this plane. There's no way. They reroute us through LA. We drive up there. I get on the plane. The pilot or the stewardess comes on and says, we don't have a pilot. This this flight is canceled. And I'm like, all right, if this is not a sign that this is not supposed to happen, I get outside and my dad grabs my bag and he starts running down the the terminal. And there's another flight that's leaving in like 10 minutes and it's first come first serve. And I'm like running behind him, like throwing a fit. I get there, I get on the plane. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this. You know, I get to my visit late. I'm like a day late. I'm there probably less than 24 hours. But when I was there, like the the moment I stepped foot on campus, that was, I knew like, that's where I was going to be. So super glad that my dad was like, you're going, you know? So I played at Iowa. I was a goalkeeper. Um, I have a twin sister. She played there with me as well, which was pretty cool. She's a center back. Um, Played there for four years. Um, Had a pretty good career. We were a pretty new program. Like I think we were the fifth recruiting class. So definitely had our ups and downs. Um, They're a much more competitive program now than they were when I was there. But um, and then after college, I graduated. my now husband, uh, David, who was on the podcast not that long ago, was the head strength and conditioning coach at Indiana State. Um, and they were looking for a graduate assistant there for the women's soccer program. So I went there for, for took that position. I was there for just over a year and a half. Um, I knew I was going to be there for two years. Like I was getting my master's. And um, Norris, Chris Norris called David and said, Hey, you know, William and Mary is looking for an assistant. Why hasn't Britta applied? Um, and I wasn't looking for a job, you know, I was just getting my master's and putting in my two years time. And, um, I applied, (laughs) went on an interview, you know, with JD and, um, sort of one thing led to the, the, to the next. And I was, you know, we were moving out to Williamsburg, Virginia for, um, to take that, that position. So I was then at William and Mary, I think 2007 through 2013, um, Mm -hmm. was my first stint there. Um, as you know, JD is really only assistant at that time. We only had two, it was just a one full-time position. We had a couple of volunteers that would help us here and there. Um, and then in 2013, I stepped away to start a family. I've got two kids. So we were kind of getting them going and then was able to go back in 2019 with Shax and Marsha and um, just sort of be an assistant, but be a volunteer. And that was awesome um, because 
I was just able to be super flexible with what I was doing and the kids came to training and I could travel. I didn't have to travel, but um, just really awesome year to, to spend with the team. And then we moved. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of got an abrupt change with, with a relocation down to Raleigh, North Carolina, right before the pandemic. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I had thought about getting back into coaching like down there, but it was just kind of transitioning. But we moved in December and, you know, uh, 2019 and then the, the pandemic hit. So um, I was kind of, you know, at a standstill there as everybody was kind of. Um, but one of my former college teammates uh, worked at NCSA. She's worked, she's worked here for um, I, I, maybe eight years. Um, and she posted something about needing a women's soccer recruiting coach. And I was skeptical. You know, I, I knew she worked there. I've never really had conversations with her about it. But I just, you know, sort of shot our message and just said, what is this all about? Um, what does this entail? Like, you know, um, friend to friend, like, what is this, you know, and is it something that like you can shed a little light on? So one thing led to another, I, I started working at NCSA in September of 2020. So just kind of going on three years, um, here this month. Cool. Um, all right. So we got to go back a little bit. Yeah. So well, almost all the way, like you were in your junior year as a women's soccer player and you had not committed, which no is um, for someone who- Yeah, it's foreign to, now, yeah. Yeah, who went yeah. to a Pan D1 school, that's craziness, right? I mean, yeah. in yeah. today's yeah. age. So like, were there no resources to, you know, help you through yeah. that process or, or, you know, yeah, I mean, how that so, yeah. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I think I definitely look back and like, I was a, I was a good player. I think I thought people were just going to like come to me. <laughs> Maybe I had that type of mentality, but honestly, I didn't know anything. My parents were very supportive, but they didn't know anything about it. You know, like, um, and I'm, I'm sure there were some types of resources, but we didn't know about them. We didn't have them. We didn't use them, you know? So I wrote letters, um, you know, uh, I got some letters in the mail. Um, you know, I played for the slammers who back then weren't what they are now, but was a, you know, pretty competitive team. Um, but I don't think I really understood like what needed to occur, you know? Um, and luckily, I mean, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I had a couple opportunities in California, but that was not something I was interested in, but luckily I, you know, just happened to be going to this camp that was a part of like kind of family tradition and one thing led to the other. So yeah, it wasn't until my senior year that I committed, um, was offered and committed. So yeah, it's very late, kind of ages me a little bit, but, um, very late in the process if you compare it to, to today. Yeah. Um, so like kids that are in that process now and they're not committed yet going into their senior year. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you probably deal with kids like that nowadays. And, 100%. Yeah. And, you know, just the, the, the emotional toll that that's probably taking on them um, is, is pretty tough. I mean, how do you guide them through that? And yeah. 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 So I work with a lot of seniors, um, you know, the 2024 grads and, um, 
some of them, you know, are just really late to figuring out that they want to play college soccer. Some mm-hmm. have known all along, but just have not had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Some of them, you know, incurred an injury and then they're coming back. So there's a lot of different, there's a variety of, of reasons why they're just kind of starting to, to think about recruiting. Um, the way that I approach it, and obviously like I'm one of many that work with our student athletes and are, are not all work with a recruiting coach, but um, I think the biggest thing is focusing on things that you can control and you can't control like the timing, right? It is what it is. We're here, you know? Um, and so we really try to focus on, right? We have to identify opportunity and you have to be willing to be open to different opportunities, you know, because a lot of kids come in, right? And you all know this, like it's D1 or nothing, right? And in your senior year, we all know the timelines for that. The probability of that happening is less. Um, it's not impossible. I mean, there's certainly D1 schools that that are looking for players in the senior year, but um, we really try to, and I really try to um, focus on, all right, what are your interests? You know, what are your preferences, major? You know, what are you looking for overall in your college experience? And are you open to different opportunities, you know, because there's, there's a bigger probability of opportunity if you open things up by division level and size of school and, you know, location. So we try to focus on like the controllables, um, and sort of, um, tether in, uh, like real, a realistic approach, um, without sort of giving up like, um, uh, things that, that kids want, you know, um, but yeah, we, we have a lot of seniors that kind of come in and they don't really know where they've gone wrong or if, you know, what they should be doing. Um, and so we kind of just have to counsel them, counsel them on that, on sort of moving forward pretty quickly. So real quick, just like walk us through what the process is when you deal with, you know, NCSA and um, mm-hmm. what you guys do and, you know, what the results are from that. Yeah. So, I mean, overarching, um, we're a recruiting platform, you know, um, I personally work with women's soccer athletes, um, and I don't work with all of our athletes. We have different levels of membership and I work with our top tier membership. So, um, so when a, when a student athlete enrolls and they sort of, uh, enroll in it, the membership that I work with, we start working together. I'm sort of their personal um, point of contact, right? We've got all these other resources for them. They have an online profile. They can add video transcripts, all sorts of things. There's a bunch of educational workshops and recruiting classes. Um, but they have access to me sort of one-on-one as needed, right? So, um, we, especially for our 24s and our, our rising or our now juniors, like we try to get in touch with them really quickly upon enrollment so that, um, we're having a conversation about, right, where are things now? What is, what has occurred before this point so that I can get a better sense of like, have they had conversations? Have they been sending emails? Like, have they done an ID camp or do they have any offers or, and then we're sort of quickly putting together a game plan, um, based on sort of some of those things. Now, I, nine times out of 10, when these kids enroll, I've never seen them play. Right. So it's not like I'm seeing them before they, they come into us. Like, so some of them come in with video and I can see their videos right away. Some have zero video. Right. And so that's a challenge in itself because I can't really give you feedback on where you belong 
if I've never seen you play. So that's a big component of our platform is, um, you know, we need to be able to see you play and it, it can't just be 30 seconds of clips. You know, we, we need to see something a little bit more. Um, so that's the real kind of the relationship I have with the student athletes that I work. We, we have other memberships that don't involve as much direct communication with a recruiting coach. Um, but you know, are, they still have access to a bunch of resources and the platform overall. Um, but the, the kids that I work with personally, I mean, some utilize me more than others. Um, but it's that one-on-one that sort of helps them kind of just get a sense of where they are, you know, what the reality is moving forward and kind of how we can work together to, to sort of put some things in place. Jeez. What you got, man? I've got a, a million questions. Okay. I'm actually really excited here. I do want to back up even further. You said you're from Southern Cal, but uh, you also have family in Illinois or not there. And I actually have the exact same setup. My dad's side ah. of Illinois. Uh, right outside Chicago. I feel like everything's outside Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then my mom's side of the family is San Diego. I still have a lot of family in San Diego. My wife's family. From oh, San cool. Diego. So where, where in California were you? So we were in like the Corona del Mar, Newport beach area gotcha. in Southern California. So we went to CDM high school. Gotcha. Um, okay. So like middle between like an hour from San Diego, an hour from LA. So do you consider yourself a San Diegan or, uh, um, you know, I honestly don't really consider myself a Californian anymore. It's kind of strange. Like I don't identify that as home, it, not in a negative way, but I've spent so much time away from California that I, I identify the Midwest as more of sort of a familiar home area just because I have tons of family here. Well, um, I asked because uh, when I was in San Diego, the people, we were like, no, no to L.A. Yeah. LA. Oh yeah. LA's LA is a different place. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm basically from the, from the OC Orange County. So if you've seen yeah. any of like the shows, sure. Sure. you know, that's, that's sort of like I, that, that was where I was. And one of the reasons why I was very excited to kind of get mm-hmm. out of there. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a wonderful place to grow up, but yeah. Um, All right. That yeah. was a little sidetrack. Sorry about yeah. that. So, no, um, that's cool. And I, I wrote down, I have like 20 questions. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, basically, when you first get started, is it, are you starting off, is your your main focus to get entire clubs or is it mainly an individual thing? I mean, what's the, what's the process? Yeah. So we work with clubs. I, I don't work personally with clubs. We have like a team edition that will sort of work with clubs. So for example, like, you know, I have a, a student athlete that I work with that says, Hey, I've got my club director wants to you know, get the entire club involved. I'll pass all that information over to our sort of division who works with, with teams. Sure. So it's more, it's very much more individual. I, yeah. I, in my experience, so kids will sign up individually and then we work with them individually. What do you think are the biggest questions that you get specifically from like a parent? You know, like, what do you think? Yeah. You, based um, off, those are frequently <laughs> asked questions. Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends on grad year. I mean, everybody's a little different, but like our, our senior parents, are there opportunities to play left? Um, you know, can they play D one? Is there D one soccer opportunities left? Um, you know, how are you going to promote her to college coaches? I think there is a misconception with parents, um, that like we're kind of their agents, 
you know, to a certain extent, like that we're going to place them or like find them a scholarship. And, and that's not what we do. I mean, we educate families on how to go about getting those opportunities, you know, so I don't get as many direct questions about that, but I think that that is sometimes an assumption um, of the client sometimes. Um, and then it's just kind of like, how does all this work? You know, what's the plan? Um, yeah. Where do we go from here? So. Okay. Now it's interesting. You just said that last part that you're more of a, you're more of just guiding them and helping them because I, I, I would totally imagine that a lot of parents are signing up, assuming, well, this is going to help me get into a school. They're going to help me. They're yeah. going to push it. They're going to push it. And I mean, I, I've got examples of kids where I've got an email from, not necessarily from you guys, but from a database similar to you guys. And I'm like, oh, this kid's great. I love the video. And I'll reach out to the kid and he has no idea who I am. No, yeah. I never heard of my school. I'm like, what, what yeah. is Like, this is not right. This is the way, the way it's yeah. supposed to be. I mean, how, how often do you write anything like that? Or um, So, yeah, I mean, like, so the way that we promote student athletes, um, it's, it's varied. So we have systems in place where emails will go out based on the, the systems analytics, like the, the coach, right. The coaches at, at different schools will plug in information, things they're looking for states, level of play, whatever. So those in combination with like the way that we rate players, in addition to some other things that are like way beyond my scope of, of knowledge from a technical, you know, um, technical standpoint, we have things that shoot out to coaches. So yes, there's, there's probably times where we shoot profiles out to coaches to say, Hey, you know, take a look at this kid. Um, it, and that's more so to say this student athlete fits some of the things that you've indicated you're looking for. It doesn't necessarily mean this kid's really interested in, in, in that sort of, Sure. space. And then for, for like the student athletes that I work with personally, I mean, I think a lot of people assume that like, I know what they, where they want to go. Right. Like, you know, why aren't you sending her profile to D one schools? And it's like, well, we've not had a conversation. So let's have a conversation and talk a little bit about where your interest really is, because I'm not going to reach out to a coach that I, you know, and not know if that's a school you're interested in or not. So we try to have a conversation around, all right, what schools are you looking at? Um, and then I'll personally reach out to those coaches and just say, hey, you know, XYZ um, student athlete is interested. She's been to camp. She hasn't really gotten much feedback. Um, anything that you could provide would be really helpful in just helping her sort of navigate what schools to be really looking at. Um, so we definitely help guide them, like toward, like give them the tools that they need to reach out on their own. Um, but we also sort of supplement that with reaching out to coaches personally. I mean, I don't know every coach in college soccer, but having been coaching and our whole staff has been coaching for quite some time, we know certain coaches will reach out and talk to them and sort of ask them questions. Um, but I mean, like my job isn't to call a coach and ask him how much money he has left for a student athlete. Right. I mean, those sure. types of conversations are being had between the student athlete and, and the, the coaching staff. So the overwhelming majority of your kids though, don't fall into the going to get money category and the overwhelming majority of your kids. I, I say that as an assumption because the overwhelming majority of kids in general don't fall into that category. Yeah. And you that's, know? I think that is also a misconception. I think, I don't think families really honestly understand, Right. <laughs> you know, like we talk a lot about that because 
I get a lot of parents that say like, well, you know, she's really looking for a scholarship. And I'm like, well, then she's looking at the wrong schools, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, because I think there's, they they don't understand um, that there's not just an unlimited amount of funds for, for kids to get scholarships from an athletic standpoint, you know? So that's something we talk a lot about, um, you know, because you'll have a kid looking at a school and it's $70,000 a year. Right. And I'm like, do you understand that the tuition is $70,000 a year? Right. If you do, fine, great. You know, I'm not going to assume that you, that's not something you've thought about, but like, let's talk about that. What's the plan? Like, we can't assume that you're going to get a scholarship to go play there. So what's the plan in place, you know, um, from a financial standpoint, is that something that, you know, you've given some thought to? So there's, there's a lot of things that I don't think, um, they, I mean, they don't know what they don't know. So that's kind of where we come in to try and help them like navigate that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the the sad part, and this is why you know Sky and I have had a million of these conversations dating back to when I was talking to Augie, and uh, I mean, when I do any of these uh, college talks, or if I'm ever speaking to a group of kids in general, my I always ask the first question. You know, I did it with Scott. You know, I'll do the first Q and A question, even though the Q and A the Q is supposed to be coming from the audience. I'm going to start yeah. off from the coaches, and my first question is always, "Have you had the conversation with your families about how you're going to pay for school?" Mm-hmm. And I've never had more than like 20, 30% of the hands raised. And this yeah. is even with a room full of seniors yeah. you know, in February. I'm like, how do you not have your, like, how do you not have this conversation already? And yeah. it's because of what you're talking about. They're all like, well, I was thinking scholarship. It's like, I'm going to get a scholarship. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not only are you way out of the realm of getting a soccer or whatever sports scholarship, you're actually now too late for all the other yeah, scholarships. For the, been yeah. Looking up online. I mean, there's, I forget what uh, the WNL coach said, but there's billions of dollars a year not being used in scholarship money that kids are just like, they just don't do the research. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that there is a need for your business because these kids can do all of this research on their own and they're not doing any of it. I mean, yeah. they don't even know how much they can afford for school. And it's really a, it's really a frustrating thing when you get a kid in your office and you're talking about stuff and you're like, seeing you is a terrible fit for you based off of what you're looking at. Why are you here? You know, it just like blows my mind. And, um, you know, I I like the one thing that you did say, you call it controllables. I call it, yeah, I I always talk about the same thing. Like what's guaranteed at that school? And I know guaranteed is not the best word. Probably controllable is a better word, but looking at the academics, you know, the food, the, the location, you know, the classroom size, the dorms, you know, those are things that, well, you've got to know the answer to that. The soccer, you don't quite know the answer to. And well, neither does that coach probably because they haven't seen you play or, it's just the three minute video that NCSA sent. And so, yeah. you know, it's, I, I love that. I, I wish that more kids would come to you with most of that in mind and then yeah. start the process. I mean, it's, it's too bad yeah. that most of them are, how many are like complete blank slates when they come to you and you're like starting the whole process with them? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it depends. I mean, obviously like some are farther along than others, you know, and they want to just add like a supplement to what they've already done. Some, are really, really starting super green from, from scratch. Um, you know, and so you get a a really mixed bag, which makes it interesting, you know, because I'm not having the same conversations necessarily with every family. I'm having a lot of the same conversations, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I've noticed a lot recently, um, because I, I think, you know, and, and I understand it to a certain extent. I mean, I have a lot of coaching friends that kind of say, you know, the players 
that you all have at NCSA are not to my standard. They're not, they're not high level enough, you know? Um, and I think, yeah, there's probably student athletes. There's always going to be student athletes that don't fit certain needs or wants, but we're seeing a lot of really, really high level players, um, that, that I work with and that sort of overall we're, we're working with that just don't have resources within maybe their ECNL club or their GA club that they don't know, like they don't, and, and, and that's not necessarily a knock on their coach or their, their teams, but like those coaches and teams are super busy with a million other things. So they don't have a recruiting resource. They don't know, you know, how to do this or how to do that. So um, they utilize our services and, and I'm biased because obviously I work with student athletes personally. I think that is obviously a really good resource because I've sort of been in the shoes of the coaches that are, that they're trying to talk to. And, um, you know, I think they can bounce ideas off of me and I can say, that's not what we want to be doing or yes, let's do that. Um, so a little bit of a tangent there. I don't really know why I got into that, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a mixed bag for sure. And and not all kids want to go D1. You know, we've got a ton of kids that are just like, sure. I want a small D3 school on the East coast. This is my major. I, how do I get exposure to those coaches? Like what's yeah. their timeline? What do I need to be doing? Um, so, you know, the platform allows for, um, a lot of different sort of opportunities. Um, so. Well, this is, that's where I think you guys are critical. I mean, like here in Virginia, we're saturated. There's good schools, D1, good schools, D3, good clubs, big environments, big cities, big showcases close by. I mean, a kid, if I get an email from a kid, that's a, an ECNL kid in the state of Virginia, I don't need you guys in this at yeah. all. Like I'm going to watch the kid, but if a kid from Iowa or, you know, some state that I'm like, when am I going to ever see this kid? I'm yeah. spending a lot of time. Like, all right, I'm watching this video. I'm definitely going to do some research here, especially if the kid, this is one of the things I love about you guys is it, you can just add your stuff to their already. Email. Like they're going to send me a Gmail email or a yeah. Yahoo email that I can yeah. respond to. And it's directly back and forth. I don't have to sign in to NCSA and go through the process with that. I'm like, oh man, I forgot my password. I like, I'm yeah. deleting everything. You know, yeah. like I, yeah. I can just click on you and it pops up and there's the kid's video and a few details that I need. And maybe a coach's contact is on there. And like, yeah. I love that. That's one click for me and it's everything I need. I, I absolutely yeah. love that. And, um, uh, let me ask you this. How do you guys, like, I know you have good coaches that are there. I actually yeah. know um, uh, Brady's there, you know. I, oh you, yeah, yeah, Brady, he's great. Um. So how do you like? What's the process for rating these guys? Like, how does their players? How does that work? Yeah. So most of well, all of the athletic rating and evaluation is we try to base it purely on what we see in video, um, because that's really the only piece that we see. Obviously, we take level of play into account if they're playing at a high level ECNL. You know, on the men's side, obviously there's high level MLS next ECNL GA, um, but you know, I have a ton of kids that are ECNL kids, but they start off their first video as a high school video. So like they look great, but Mm -hmm. the level is clearly lower. So like their evaluation is going to be lower in that first evaluation because we need to see them doing those things at a higher level, right. In order to say, Hey, you know, you should be looking at these schools. Like, you know, um, we we need to see you playing at a higher level. Right. Um, so it's, it's, based off video. And that's a challenge that I think some have, you know, because 
um, a lot of teams now have VO cameras, trace cameras, huddle, you know, there's all sorts of things, but there's a lot of kids that don't have access to that. Right. And, um, you know, like I work with the kids in all states, Hawaii, South Dakota, I mean, places where like a lot of schools are not going to be able to see you play in person. Right? right. And if you don't have access to video, that's, that's a challenge. Um, so we talk about, you know, how to get that video and, and, um, and what's needed, you know, like what coaches want to see positionally. And, and then, uh, once that video is submitted, that's kind of how we, we rate them athletically. You, uh, what do you do when a kid comes in you get the video and you're like, man, there's this kid is not playing soccer, or maybe they're just, they're not very good, but they have like a 4.4. Yeah. They, you know, they want to be an, an electrical engineer. Like they have something super precise that they want to study. And I mean, do you ever just step in and say, look, these are your schools to choose from. And oh yeah, soccer's probably not going to happen at those places. So, yeah. I mean, I think for me, like I work with a lot of really, really high achieving academic student athletes, right? I mean, women's soccer and, and men's soccer, but like women's soccer, there's a lot of very high um, academic kids. And that's a big want is high academics. Um and the thing about it is a lot of high academic schools are very competitive, you know, and, and very highly sought after. So um, if, if there's a student athlete that the levels are just not computing, right. It, you know, this is the academic piece. Yeah. Those schools are great for the academic piece, but that athletic piece is not matching up. Like we have a conversation about that. The, and it depends on timing, right. If, it, if it's a senior or a junior or an eighth grader or a ninth grader, I mean, you can kind of tell, right. Um, but we start talking about, all right, listen, these are better options for soccer, right? Whether it's, Hey, if you really want to go to Stanford, that's your number one choice, or you want to go to an Ivy league school, then club soccer is probably going to be a, a better option for you. Right. And we can talk to you about that. We can, you know, most, most people don't know that club soccer exists, you know, and that it's an option. Um, or we say, all right, we're going to have, and most kids, I would say, have two lists. They have schools that they're definitely going to apply to. And we're talking a lot about this with seniors right now. They have schools that they're definitely applying to no matter what, right, regardless of the soccer piece. And then they have schools that are a better fit for them athletically and, and offers their major. It might not be like their dream school or like the highest of academics, but right. they can, they, they've sort of found a fit for the other things. Um and so we talk about that, right? Like you need to have a couple of different options. You need to have some schools that are more realistic athletically, and you need to have schools that you want to apply to for academics and overall college experience. But the probability of that being an option for soccer is very low at this stage based on what I'm seeing. Right. Um, and so we either need to see better video. Um, and, and the biggest, the other big thing, as you mentioned, kind of was like the exposure piece. Um, and I don't know, maybe this is a question that I can ask you, but like, I don't know a ton of coaches that are going to make decisions purely on video, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, or, and I could be wrong on that, but you know, that's one thing that like, we don't claim to like, we talk about that, you know, video is one piece of it. It's very important, but like coaches have to see you play in person. Like a three minute video is a preview. Right. Um, but how are you going to play in front of the Ivy league schools or the Patriot league schools, like, and you're out in California and you're not on an ECNL team. So we then talk about, you're going to have to invest in ID camps. You're going to have to sort of pick and choose those chances because, you know, um, 
that exposure piece is really, really big. Um, so yeah, we, we have that conversation and we have to, I, I think some folks rely on us for just like what's realistic, what's not. Right. Um, not everybody likes to hear that, but I mean, um, I find, and this is not a knock on college coaches that we're having a lot of conversations with kids where I'm trying to get so much feedback to just say, Hey, listen, they've told me, right. I got in touch with them. They're not looking for a player at your position in your grad year, or you were at camp. They said you did well, but they're not what you're looking for because they're not, they're, they're not able to get that information from the coach. So like, um, we kind of deliver a lot of that information for them because they're just chasing it. Sometimes they're just chasing after coaches that are just not responding. And it's like, we have to move on. We have to, we have to search other places. We have to, you know, identify other opportunities um, to explore. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the video is great, especially the beginning. You know, I love that there's a ranking system. I think the rankings are usually pretty good too. Like usually maybe mine's a half a star off one way or the other is usually the Delta. And uh, if a kid fits into a certain category and I like the video, if it's somebody that I'm going to see, I absolutely take note. But if it's something yeah. I'm, like I'm not going to see a California kid or whatever, I'm not going out there. They're not yeah. coming out here. And ID camps are off the table. Then my my hope would be, okay, to your point, a good soccer game. Send me the whole film of that good yeah. soccer game. Um, so I don't want your high school game. I want the, a great game. You and something that matters more than just a showcase game. Yeah. And hopefully I know somebody that knows somebody that can give me some yeah. feedback. You know, exactly. Like, there's a trust phone call that I can make to get some details. That's probably the only way I would take a kid without seeing them in person. But yeah, you know, like we had a kid from Minnesota that we really liked and on film. Awesome. Yeah. Three minute, four minute video. I'm like, this kid's great. Sent it to a few people. And good news for us is I didn't have to send them out here, like, or get them out yeah. here. He was playing in a, in a big event. And so we go watch him play and the, the game itself wasn't the same as the video. So that's, there you go. There's yeah. your exact reason. I would have absolutely offered him. Yeah. after the video, but I, I, I'm not going to now that we've seen yeah. it live. And, but yeah. sometimes it's been the other way around where I've watched video and I'm like, yeah, you know, so, yeah. then you go see him in person and you're like, oh, wow, what a, I see, I can see the presence in person. Yeah. I can yeah. see the, the, you know, he's the big kid strong, you know, whatever, like something that maybe the film doesn't exist. You exactly can't see. Know. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. hard to determine some things through film. Right. Um, and, and I always tell kids like, you know, cause there'll be pushback sometimes on like, the evaluation that I give a student athlete versus where they think they should be. And right. I'm totally fine with that. And it's all subjective, right? We're, we're all coaches. We're looking at different things. We have different um, things that we like versus things that we don't, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's a bit subjective. Um, right. So I think that we try to really put that out there. Like, listen, what I'm looking for and what I see is based on my experience as a college coach and my experience as a coach you know, and every coach is going to maybe be looking for something a little different. So it's not to say that they're not going to see that in your film. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and film is not the only thing. So we really try to just use that as a tool for them to be able to get into our system and kind of see where they compare, but it's not the end all be all, you know, um, just because they're rated really high doesn't mean that those coaches are going to think that, you know, um, they're going to be their number one recruit. I mean, you know, so, and just because they're rated a little bit lower doesn't mean that they're not going to get picked up by somebody. So, um, it, you know, we have a lot of conversations surrounding that as well. Well, and there's no way to like, sorry, cheese. Um, Very good. there's no way to like measure certain attributes that in a four minute 
video clip yeah. that, you know, how did they react to a mistake and, you know, exactly all those things that, that go into being a competitive athlete. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, and like the overarching thing in all of this conversation is people just need to be honest with themselves and, you know, yeah. and, and listen to all the feedback they're getting. Right. And then make a, a decision that that's best for them. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's a tough process, you know, having yeah. the kid through it. It's, uh, it's well, like I've told cheese a million times. I mean, if we didn't have cheese, I don't know what would have happened. You know, it's, we had somebody who was inside that, that kind of helped guide us through the process, which was tremendously helpful. But, yeah. um, you know, it sounds like you provide a bit of that, but you, you know, you don't see them on a daily basis. So it's, it's right. still, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, listen, there's some kids that I talk to weekly, you know, and they utilize me like they're, they're the ones that are scheduling the calls, you know, um, because they've identified a need in having like, Hey, I, I got this from a coach. What does this mean? What should I be doing? I'm going to this ID camp, you know, you know, uh, X, Y, Z, right. Not everybody does that. So they're kind of using the platform in their own way. Um, and we try to really get kids on the phone or parents on the phone as much as we can, because that's where we can sort of best help them. Um, but you're right. I mean, we're not seeing them every day and I'm not seeing them in person. I mean, I have a couple of student athletes that I work with that are like local to me. So I've gone out and like watched them play in their other sport, you know, but for the most part, <laughs> for, for the entire part, like I'm not, I'm not seeing these kids in person. Um, so. Yeah. Are you guys um, having discussions or utilizing gap year or having like, like what's your discussions? There? A lot of conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, since COVID, obviously I'm sure you have kind of had the same thing. Like, Tons and tons an of issue. kids. Even for this class, they still are yeah. dealing with COVID situations. Cause I, like I'm bringing yeah. back kids for a fifth year. It's mm -hmm. the last year of that, but coming up next year is the last yeah. year of fifth year. So even the, even the graduating seniors this year are dealing with COVID classes uh, yes. in all of our schools. Oh yeah. 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 So we, I mean, there's a lot of, I, I think it's kind of twofold. I think some just assume that that's going to put them in a better position, right? Like, I'm going to take a gap year and it's, and, and sometimes we're doing that like after the, the class before them um, or behind them have already had six months of conversations with coaches. Right. right. So it's like, well, the timing isn't as great, right. Because you know, you haven't been talking to coaches and now you're going into a gap year and there's still kids that are in the whole, you know, train. Um, so there's, there's that, that's, there's that. And then there's sort of the, I've had an injury. Um, when I'm back from injury, it's, it's really, I'm, I'm not in a position where I feel like I'm going to find my fit. So I'm going to take a gap year, um, and sort of come back and do things a little differently once, you know, I, I have that year off, but I think there is a, a, an assumption that a gap year is going to like, give them back time, like give them in, in which I don't find is the case. I mean, I think there's definitely situations where a gap year is useful. Um, but that's certainly something we're talking a lot about. Um, and some of the opportunities are great. I mean, I have a lot of kids that are going to play, um, 
you know, overseas. That's something I'm seeing a lot more now, which is really interesting. Like going to play, you know, at St. Andrews or, um, yeah. yeah, like a lot of that, which is great. I mean, that's a really unique opportunity and one that honestly, like if I was getting that opportunity as a high schooler to go play overseas, like I, that'd be awesome, you know, yeah. but not everybody wants to do that. But, um, so I think there's been diff, I mean, obviously since COVID, there's been a lot of different things, angles that have come into it. Um, Sure. You know, I'll tell you what, putting on my dad cap right now, like let's say my son is in this process right now and money out of D1 schools off the table. It's just you're we're paying for college basically yeah. where we're at now, wherever that is. Yeah. I, I tell you what, those options, the gap year and playing abroad for a year sounds so appealing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, just a, it's such a great way to gain some perspective. Yeah. give these kids a whole different angle, still having the college experience yeah. as an option in their future, but to be able to, well, they're going to pick up a job. You know, they can yeah. still take some college courses and get a head start on their four year college degree. Uh, yeah. Or if they're going abroad they're, they're a lot of those programs have college courses or stuff that can yeah. transfer. So they're yep. still getting educated. They're seeing a different part of the world. They're still playing yeah. some soccer. And yeah. you know what? A lot of these kids will come out of that with like, you know, I don't need to play. Yeah, you know, or maybe a great club program is way better. Or maybe I play a couple sports and I want to be an intramural kid and yeah. have a different college experience that I didn't know I needed because yeah. I was playing on an ECNL team where ten of my guys are already committed, and I felt like I had to. It's just every single one of us needs to look at this as what is right for me, my family, and if I yeah. don't know the answer today, don't make a decision then, especially yeah, not yeah. thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Make a decision next year. Take a some even a, don't even do a gap year. Do a gap semester. You yeah. know, I, I just I think that there's something there. I, I love it. I think it's such a great idea for a lot of kids. I see a lot of kids kind of forcing the issue or just going oh, for to sure. plan, e, plan E, plan F. And I'm like, just reset your timeline, buddy. Reset your timeline, yeah. kind of get your ducks in a row. You know, maybe, maybe it's not even just for the kids with like a, a lower GPA and they want to take some college courses at a community school and get raise some money, stay at yeah. home and, you know, get a little bit in a better situation. And, Oh, I got a 3.0. Now I can go pretty much anywhere I want. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, I just think there's so many benefits to it. And uh, I'm glad you're having those conversations. It's, it's important. Yeah. It's um, I think junior college is something that like mm-hmm. kids are just like, no, no, no. Right. I mean, I see it all the time on preferences. No to junior college. It's like, all right, sure. well, let's talk about this. You know, you've why, you know, and there's some kids that listen, we don't have to have that conversation, but if we're late to the process, scholarship is a must, right? So that right. means like, you know, you need financial assistance. Then why aren't we talking about junior colleges? You know, mm-hmm. um, there's stigma surrounding it, right? It's like, let's go to let's go to junior college and get courses done. You get college credits, you get, you know, you pay a lot less, maybe you live mm-hmm. at home, you know, and, and then you're just in a much better place to transfer out somewhere else. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, and I mean, I agree. Also, a year older and wiser, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking exactly. of transfer out, how uh, do you deal with kids that are in the portal or kids that oh, reach yeah. out going into the portal? So, yeah, so like our memberships are lifelong, which means if it, if I work with a kid and I, I have several student athletes that I've worked with, they've committed, you know, they committed in 21, 22, whatever. And now we get a ring, you know, they're looking to transfer. So then we start, we can kind of, they, they have access to us or they have access to me. Um, 
So yes, a lot of transfer conversations, you know, what does that entail? How do I go about getting into the transfer portal? What's my timeline look like if I want to transfer, you know, if I want to jump in the portal in in November, what do I need to be thinking about now? You know, um, so we, we definitely are having a lot of conversations surrounding that. Um, and we have, again, like I work with individuals. So I talk to them on the phone. There's, we have memberships that don't have access to that. So we have classes on transferring and what mm-hmm. that process is like and what a gap year is like and um, what you should be considering from a timeline standpoint. But yeah, the transfer portal is, as you know, like it, it has completely sort of transformed some things within uh, from yeah. a recruiting standpoint. Yeah. I, I need to work this in the conversation. It's not exactly, um, you know, a logical progression from what you're just talking about. <laughs> I had three um, women who transferred and now play at CNU um, on the podcast earlier this week. And they all transferred for different reasons. Um, but the one that floored me was a, a girl who went to a D1 school um, that we all know and then ended up transferring to CNU. And yeah. the reason was she didn't like their style of play, right? And, um, you know, she's midfielder, started matches, like was a player on the team, yeah. like not riding the bench. And the ball was just getting played from the back to the front over yeah. her midfield. And then she like admitted, like she screwed up because she never watched them play. Mm-hmm. Never once. Like didn't go there, didn't watch a match. I yeah. mean, in this day and age, to not watch someone play a match is, I mean, it, it blows my mind. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that like you are advising kids, like really understand what you're looking at and, you know, maybe walk through that process of yeah. them educating themselves. And maybe we've kind of already talked about this, but you yeah, know, I had to work in that transfer story there that just, yeah, yeah, you- yeah. No, it is. I mean, I don't think, I think kids watch soccer more now than they have. Right. Um, but that's one thing, you know, if, if I, if I'm working with a student athlete and they've got a list of schools, right. And they're in their junior year, um, very, very little of them even ever talk about style of play. I mean, if I get a kid that comes out and they're like, this is the style of play I'm looking for. I'm like, wow. Okay. Let's talk more about that. (laughs) It's very, very few because I just don't think kids think about that. I think they think, this is a D one program or it's a D two program and it's high level. And, you know, I'm just going to fit in, you know, because I, I want to play at that level. And, and we have kind of forgotten like, all right. And we talk about this, like go watch games in the fall. You know, we, we recognize like you can't just jump around to every school of interest, you know, and, and fly all over the place. But like, if you can get to local matches, regardless of whether or not like you're truly interested in that school, maybe they're playing an opponent that you have interest in. Like go watch them, go watch their style of play, go watch your position. How do they, how, how do they play? You know, like watch the sideline interactions, watch the coaching style, like get a sense of like what that truly looks like. Because once you, it's not a once you fits all experience, you know, from a style of play, from a um, game day environment. So yeah, it, it is something that kids just don't talk a whole lot about. I don't know if it's the same on the men's side, um, but on the women's side, there's not a ton of players that talk about that. Um, and I think it's certainly something that um, 
is lost <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, cause I think kids do get places and they're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so we try to talk about the things that they should be looking for outside of like the things that they've verbally told us that they're looking for, you know? Um, yeah, I definitely get a style of play question a lot. Uh, it's most good. of my recruiting calls are style of play questions. Um, yeah. Or that, that includes a style of play question. Yeah. It's, it, it blow, I mean, we're all streaming our games, you know I mean? There's, yeah. People, if, let's say you're in the middle of nowhere. Well, you have internet, so yeah. you, can you can watch, watch games. Right. All week long. Right. I mean, there are, you know, some streams obviously better than others, you know, but there's no reason why you can't hop online and watch a game. Um, yeah. A lot of them are on demand too. I know that, uh, you know, like, I think all of division one games, I don't think that they block where you can't go watch it because they share. I know in division oh. three that we don't have a sharing uh, requirement, like a national sharing database or whatever, which yeah. I, I wish we would. I wish that we had to all plug in our games and so I can go watch any D3 game. Totally. I have to kind of, YouTube or, you know, hope that they don't yeah. have password protection on their on demand on their site. But um, like almost every one of us, you could watch your game live for sure. Yeah. So there's there's no reason why a kid hasn't said, oh, yeah, I've seen like 10, 15 college games, uh, multiple levels and, you know, yeah. high D1 to middle D1 to high D3, middle D3. I mean, there's just no reason yeah. why they're not doing that. Yeah. 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 I mean, Cheese, you've talked about this a bunch of times, like, um, Kids, and I, I think that your theory is, is that women are way more reasonable about this. Um, that you know, boys, you know, <laughs> well, in general, they're way more reasonable. There's a right? huge topic right here. Right? Like the boys, maybe, then, yeah. Um, just that, you know, boys, you know, whatever the hell it takes, they want to be soccer players, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, girls are, are a little more contemplative about where they want to end up, you know. Yeah, they're evaluating the entire experience more than yeah. the boys are. I think. Well, it's probably why you know, Brady had said that uh, you know, you're not getting the style of play question from girls as much as boys. Yeah, the questions that I don't get from boys is uh, you know, like, well, what are your dorms like? What's the food? Yeah, like? exactly. They, I feel like they should be asking about the food because my guys are, they're all yeah. big. But yeah, like it, it blows my mind that they aren't more invested into all the other things outside of the small three to four months of soccer a year that we're exactly. Together. I was just telling my boys tomorrow night when we play, we would have been here for a month already. And one more month from now, that's only two months. We're going to be two weeks from postseason play. Yeah. So that's two and a half months. And if we get knocked out, then we're done. You know, see you later. Like I'll see you guys later. And, and that's it. You know, what are you going to do the other nine and a half months? Right. Yeah. We have a little yeah. small spring season. We're going to do some, some fitness and some weightlifting stuff. And the guys play futsal. There's obviously other things that go on. It's not just the days that they can see me, but, uh, it's what about all the other stuff? Like you're going to be in your dorm way more than you're going to be on the soccer field. You're going to be, yeah. you know, in the dining hall every day, you know, what, what type of classroom structure are you looking for? You're going to be walking around campus. Can you see yourself walking around this campus for four years? And yeah. you know, I always, always say like, you know, what, what can you do? What do you, are you going to like this place if soccer is not available to you? And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of kids kind of got that perspective with, when COVID took soccer. COVID, away from yeah. them. So I, I saw some reality kicking in for some of the classes the last couple of years, but it, it blows kids' minds when I, you know, because when I ask that question, I go, yeah, what if I get hurt? And I go, well, or what if I just don't play you? Mm-hmm. And most kids are like, what do you mean? You know, I'm like, every school in the country, your club team, your high school team has a bottom of the roster. There's a yeah. bottom of every single roster that doesn't play. And some of those kids get out of it. 
A lot of them don't. And, yeah. you know, what are you going to do if you're that kid? I didn't recruit a kid to, oh, yeah, he'll just be on the bottom of my roster. I don't do that. Most yeah. of us don't. And so yeah. you, you might end up there. Are you still going to be happy there? And I, yeah. I think that girls can answer that question more truthfully than boys, at least in my experiences. Uh, yeah. You know, because they're mostly concerned with, well, my identity is the soccer field. My, you know, what type of performance am I getting? That's that's all that I care about. And it's, yeah. it, it is shocking because – I, I do wish that more boys would focus on all the things, the entire experience, because it's a lot of money to yeah, just to throw. Yeah. If you don't know anything about it right. other than the soccer piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get, I get a lot of questions or I, I get a lot of like my prefer Cause I always ask them like initially, like, all right, what are you looking for? Like from the beginning, like right now, even if they're a freshman, I'm like, so when you see yourself going to college, what are some things that you are visioning right now? And a lot of them, you know, a lot of them will talk about level of play and, and, you know, if they're later in the process, they might talk about majors, but then they're kind of talking about, um, you know, like team culture. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, all right, you know, you say you want a a big school, right? You know, I went to a college with 40,000 people on it and in the middle of winter like i either had to catch a bus to get across campus it took you know a good 20 minutes or i'd walk you know you walk and it's a 30 minute walk in the snow across a river and like i mean it sounds like i'm an old person when i say that but it's like do you envision yourself being on a big campus like that do you even know what that looks like right so and then sure enough like a, a recent conversation i had a kid went to ohio state and she was like it was way too big way 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 too big for for my liking. It was just overwhelming. And, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, cool. yeah. So, you know, I just think there's, there's misconceptions all around and like, yeah. we try to just really um, provide like some, not even, I don't know, like we're just trying to like help them understand what they really, what really will be their best fit. Cause I don't think they all realize what that is. They think it's something, um, you know, like I get a lot of, well, what about like the lower D1 schools or like the the lower D2 schools, you know, like are those like within reach? And it's like, well, but like, why not, why not explore like high level D3s, you know, or, yeah, but, but at the same time, like high level D3s and high level D2s and D1, they're all looking for the same type of player, you know, yeah. um, but it's like this, not, not all levels are created equal. So there's a lot of you know, um, there's a lot of great programs and there's a lot of programs that are going to fall at the bottom of their respective division level. And, um, I think just like the, the number in front of the division or behind the division is so important to, to people. Um, and then they end up sort of getting some traction with some schools that they didn't know about or didn't think about, or weren't super interested in. And they're like, wow, this has a lot to offer. You know, this is a real, like, I felt great about this school, you know? Um, so that's, that's one of the goals is to kind of just open their mind to, to some opportunities that they don't know are out there. Yeah. I always, uh, you know, make the comment about how a lot of kids are making a decision for that <laughs> initial tweet or that initial Instagram yeah, post where totally, I mean, there's a couple sites that I follow that are soccer sites that'll highlight college things. I'm like, Oh, cool. That's, that's a neat thing. And they'll post when a D one kid commits. And yeah. It's super funny to me. Cause they'll say like, Scott Cooper has just committed to play and it'll say division one. Yeah. 
before yes. it even says the school and you're like yes yeah man we all know uva is a yes it's d1 school. Like, yeah <laughs> like it just why did you have to emphasize that like what was the point there and uh you know I, i've got a really good friend he was my old english teacher actually and he coached an awesome he's he's got like national championships in club and he told me something that just blew my mind it was on the girls side uh, he had geez i think 12 girls on one team go division one and wow. nine of them transferred before their first year like complete like they were in the portal before their first yeah. year and you're like and that's a terrible stat but i asked him like what do you think it was and he said well so many of them like as soon as one committed like six more committed immediately and i'm like what totally you know and you're like you're making decisions for the wrong reasons and like you know we talked about how expensive it is it's like who spends that kind of money on something that doesn't have the complete package like oh you know like yeah. you're, you're you're buying a house because of one small like oh, i love the garage so i'm gonna buy this house yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got a hole in the side of your house man like what, what about the <laughs> kitchen it doesn't have any plumbing you know, yeah. like, what about the other things that are also important? You know, now the garage, the garage is what I bought. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's, it's sad. I'm glad you guys are doing what you're doing. You know, I, I think that this is the point. This is the whole reason why Scott and I, you know, talk about this stuff all the time. And I think that it's, it really resonated with Scott having Augie go through the process. And so I'm hoping that this is really, I'd love to see the portal only be filled with kids that like, had to go in the portal for something completely, you know, like, oh, that, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Not yeah. because they made the wrong decision. in the, in the Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, kids talk about it. They're like, well, you know, if she doesn't like it, there's the transfer portal at least. Yeah. And I'm like, why well, do you want to go through that? Transferring yeah. is so, I mean, it's not like this super easy, fluffy. I mean, it's, it's a lot. You, you get rooted. Up. Yeah. And, and it's just, up. Yeah. it's very, very difficult. And these are just like mis they're just misunderstandings and mis mis like conceptions on what things actually are and yeah is there going to be a kid that maybe does really well at uh, a you know D2 school that transfers to a D1 yeah okay but the majority of players are not transferring up in the portal you know it's it's either linear like D1 players are going to other D1 schools D3 school whatever um and it's tough like just uprooting yourself after a year that it, it's, it's a lot, you know, I don't think kids think about like what you go through emotionally and physically when you're like physically moving. And, right. um, so yeah, having to build new relationships, yeah, new relationships and new systems, new, like just where's my classes and who's that teacher. And, you know, like, how do I get there? Well, your <laughs> um, timeline is so much smaller. I mean, you're, you're talking about how often you're thinking about it as a high school kid, it's years sometimes. Um, yeah. And if you're in the transfer portal in January of your first year, you need to make a decision like really quickly. Immediately. I mean, we're, we're like, I'm going to be done. I need to know by March. It's like, well, I just yeah. got in the portal January. It's like, well, well, you know, yeah. you to get your butt in here for a visit. You know, well, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, what do you want me to tell you this? I need to know now. So, yeah. uh, you know, you're yeah. making a quick decision and it's sad when I go on the transfer part, I check it every day, multiple times a day. And there are times I've seen a kid. I'm like, that's his second time I've seen this kid on the yeah. board. And like, ugh. Yeah. You know, and both times were because of unhappiness, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, fit for us, like, it's so cliche because I say this on almost every call. Like, it's about your fit. You mm -hmm. know, it's not about, you know, I mean, it, and, and fit might mean scholarship and division level for you. But sure. the best fit is where you're going to, where you're going to, like, look back and say, man, I'm so glad that this was the decision I made. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about fit so much. And I think 
you know, sometimes that goes in one ear and out the other. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's, it's like, and, and some, some, we have kids that come in and they say, listen, I'm trying to find my best fit. I want to be happy in college. I want to balance. These are the things I'm looking for. And fit is really important. Um, right. but I don't think, I, I don't think that language is, an, um, thought of enough, you know? Right. Um, so. Yep. Great. That's good. Cool. Yeah. Anything else? Cheese? Uh, you get all 20 of your questions answered. <laughs> one left. Is there, has there ever been like a big disagreement on a kid? Like, do you guys share video? Like, uh, it's mm-hmm. not just your evaluation. Like, yeah, like if we're working together. Oh, I'll watch the video too. Like, Oh, that's a three-star kid. Like I have six. Like, have you ever yeah. had a big disagreement on a kid? Um, so we haven't, I I've not had a huge disagreement, but like we definitely share. So, you know, yeah. if I'm like teetering on a kid, like, ah, uh, like I'm, maybe I'm like here and, but I, but I'm kind of thinking like, should I be here or lower or whatever? So we will shoot those out across our team of women's soccer um, recruiting coaches. And we bounce things off of one another. Mm-hmm. And we're usually not, we're usually like pretty close, but there's definitely times where, you know, some, again, going back to this coaching thing, like, you know, uh, coach Cole will see something that I am not seeing, or I'm, it's not that important to me or whatever. We, we haven't had a ton of like big time disagreements. Um, I think some of the things that we run into with evaluating players is, um, you know, like past videos. Like we try to really focus on like their recent videos where they are right now, right? Like past videos, college coaches aren't going to go back and watch. And maybe you can answer this too. Like, do you go back and watch like old videos or are you going to focus on like the video that's the most recent of that student? Yeah, if a, if a kid writes me, I want to know that like the one he just uploaded. That's usually yeah, the one yeah. I want to watch, right? Um, I will so, go back. Like if there's a kid, if I teeter on a kid or if I like, oh, I really like this film and there's something just a few months ago, I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah. But if it's like two years ago, two, yeah, it's, there's, like, you're yeah. a whole different human being now. Right, right. Yeah. So no, we don't, we don't disagree. Like we really try to utilize each other's like backgrounds, you know, to say, what am I missing? Like, you know, mom and dad are really upset about the rating or about the evaluation. Mm-hmm. What am I missing on this? You know? Right. And either somebody says, Hey, you're spot on, or maybe consider this or consider that. Um, so we utilize each other a lot for that. That's kind of a collective thing that we, we definitely do. Well, wait a minute. Parents get upset and then like they're paying you for your professional opinion and then they get upset about your professional opinion. I mean, (laughs) that happens. Yeah, Yeah, it happens. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. I mean, I think that's just like the most important message is like, just be honest about all all aspects of this, like your play, but where you're, where, you know, what school's a good fit and all that. I mean, and listen to Britta. She knows what she's (laughs) talking about. So, Sometimes, <laughs> most of the time. Let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> I mean, you you did marry David. I mean that that's questionable. Like, you might call right there. That talk about that. questionable, questionable yeah. decision. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, geez, you good? Got anything I'm else? Good. That was great. That was great. Rita, anything else? I'm good. All right. Glad we figured out the mic. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast. 
I hope you found this episode interesting, informative, and enjoyable. As I mentioned in the introduction, let me know how we're doing by subscribing and submitting feedback. Also, send any questions and comments you have to me through matchplayrecruit.com. Check out our social media as well. See you on the trail.